Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. This is Jerry Galloway, and I'm the pastor of LHA Church. Thanks for joining us today. I pray this blesses you, strengthens your faith to know that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bibles with you, if you will turn with me this morning, let's go to the book of Luke. Luke, the 16th chapter. One of the things that we find throughout Jesus' ministry is that Jesus was an incredible uh, person of telling a story. And those stories often came through the method of a parable as he would teach truths about the kingdom of God, and he would do so by telling a story so that they could all understand the lessons of the kingdom. We find in this 16th chapter that he tells us about the parable of a shrewd manager Then beginning in verse 19, he tells a story about a rich man and a man by the name of Lazarus, and that's where we're going to pick up this morning, beginning in verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. By the time the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's bosom and his side, the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony." And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will also not come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, this is a powerful passage right here. If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Our opportunity to be here today really should cause each of us in our hearts to be thankful for life and for the chance today to be in a place where we have the option to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ And to once again in our lives, maybe many of you have been in church your entire life. 
Today, once again, you and I are confronted with the chance and the opportunity to hear the gospel and to give a response from our lives to the message of the gospel. We have spent the past several weeks looking at the topic of life, death, and the afterlife. This morning, we are uh, the plan is we're going to bring this series to a close this morning. And we've looked at heaven the last couple of weeks. We've talked about heaven and all that it's going to be and what great things uh, that God has planned for us. And they are great things. You know, this week uh, we walked together uh, and had a memorial service for Mary Huffman. And uh, we miss Mary being here in church with us today. But I tell you, in that service, one of the things that I share with people, there wasn't one person there on Friday that had any questions about where Mary's at. We know where Mary's at today in the presence of the Lord and many incredible things she is experiencing. God has prepared an incredible place for us called heaven. This morning, our focus is I want to take some time today and I want to, I'll be honest with you, I'm more concerned about taking some time to answer some questions about uh, the place called hell. I want to take some time today to make sure we give clarity to what the scriptures say concerning this eternal destination. And the reason of that is because there's a lot of confusion in people's minds concerning hell. There's probably actually, uh, you know, it's easy for people to understand why God would allow someone to go to heaven. There's probably a lot more confusion on why God would allow someone to go to hell. Now, the truth is, uh, I think probably the, uh, the sight of all of us that has a sense of justice, we all, we, we can understand someone who has committed uh, a terrible, heinous crime. Maybe, maybe we can understand someone who has just done the unthinkable. Maybe in our minds we can understand why God uh, might allow someone, though, though I'll be honest with you, it, it's far worse than uh, hell and its realities is far worse than what we can imagine even someone who's committed a heinous crime to, to have. But where we run into a lot of confusion is when we talk about somebody who's a good person, a good neighbor, a good friend, a good loved one, someone in our lives that we love and they have not received Christ. They've been uh, unbelieving. They've not believed the message. Uh, they've refused to, to, to heed to the message of the gospel. There's a lot of confusion. We hear people say uh, things often like, you know, why would a loving God send someone to hell? The reality is, and we're going to get there in a few minutes, but the reality is God has done everything he can to intersect that point. And God has done, he's, he's provided everything that could be provided to provide you and I a way out of an eternity in hell. There, there is nothing else that has to be done. There, there is nothing that could be done that's greater than what he's already done. You know, the passage we read, the rich man said, Sin Lazarus says, surely if someone rises from the dead, it'll get their attention. And his response was, it won't get their attention if what God has already done is not getting their attention. Yeah. 
Hell is a reality, friends. And so our focus today is we're going to walk through this. There is a lot of speculation in our culture today, and even within the religious, I would title religious community, there's a lot of confusion on this topic of hell. So the first thing I think it is very important that we, we try to ascertain is the, the reality of what, what is hell? What is hell? Because there are so many who, who have um, enlisted themselves with a thought process that hell is a state of mind. Hell is just a, a condition of life that people walk through. The truth is one can't answer this question the way that we so often answer many questions in life. There, I, I can't take you today and show you a visible representation. I can't pop something up on the screen. I, man has tried to recreate those things, but I can't take you and show you an exact uh, representation of what hell's like. If you were to ask me today, you know, what does a $20 bill look like? What does a $100 bill look like? I could show you those and you could touch it, you could feel it. If, 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 if I were to tell you today what a tree was, I could show you a representation. You could understand. If you were to say, what is the color green? I could show you an example. But when we come to this topic and this issue about hell, the question we have to answer is, what will we use to reference what hell is? When someone asks us, the truth is there, there are people you can read online accounts, you can go to YouTube, uh, you can uh, watch accounts of people who have had near-death experiences and have come back and have said, I experienced this, I have experienced that, there was a gentleman many years ago who still is, is doing a lot of ministry, and yeah, he wrote a book, 23 Minutes in Hell. There are, are things that are representations, but, but realistically, there's only one way that we can get a description to help us to understand what hell is, who ends up in hell, how do we get to that place called hell, and that's only through the Word of God. And so today, there's going to be a lot of scriptures and uh, version. Uh, today, if you don't normally use version, today would be a great day to do it because there's a lot of scriptures that are there. Uh, you can go to version, go to the events, find LHA Church. The notes are going to be there and you can, you can have them for today and to be able to take with you as well. You know, the truth is when we talk about this, it's so important we get back to the Word because man, man will have his own opinions, man will have his own thoughts, man will have his own reasonings, and the truth is we can reason out so many things in this life, but in our reasoning does not make it a reality. Let's just be honest. God is the creator of all things. Would you say amen to that? Amen. Even hell. It's easy to understand God creating heaven, isn't it? But if God is creator of everything, then even hell and its existence is a part of God's plan. God, God created even hell. And so we have to go back and look at the author. There's, there's no better source to go to than the originator. 
And so that's what we're going to do today as we walk through the word together. In, in trying to define what hell is, we can describe it in a couple ways. Number one is this, hell is a place. Hell is a place. The Bible describes hell as a place in our text in Luke 16, verse 23. It says, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Hell is a place. It is a location. Hell is also a place of eternal consciousness. This is probably the side that most of us have great deal, uh, great amount of difficulty settling. It is a place of eternal consciousness. It is eternal because of the conscious state of understanding the length of time, meaning it never ends. Once it begins, there is no uh, season of it coming to a climax. It is a place of eternal conscious because man understands the full ramifications of hell's torments. So it's a place, it's a place of eternal consciousness, and it is a place, the Bible will tell us here, as the, it's a place for the unbelieving. Revelation 21 and 8 says, But the unbelieving will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. For those who have said, I don't believe in God, for those who have said, I don't believe in Jesus, for those who said, I don't believe that I need him, for those who chose not to believe in the Son of God who came to take away the sin of the world, the Bible says hell is a place for the unbelieving. Next, we find that hell is a place for God's wrath. It's a place where the venting, the releasing of God's wrath is poured out. John the Baptist referred to it this way in Matthew 3 and verse 7. It is for the wrath to come. Paul said in Romans 2 and 8, For those who are self-seeking and reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 8 when he returns, the Bible says he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Wrath is God's righteous response to sin. If you think that God is okay with sin, all you've got to do is look at the Bible and you'll find out what God thinks about sin. God has a righteous response to sin and it's called hell. Psalm 7 and verse 11 says God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. I heard someone sometime back say this phrase, if you think that you're outraged by what's happening in our world, if you see things and uh, notice things going in our world today and it makes you angry at how wrong. I don't know if y'all uh, do as I do, but when I watch the news, it's an interactive thing. They speak and I speak back. It's, it's an interactive thing. And, and some days, I just have a little problem with it. we got to turn it off. <laughs> My blood pressure going up. Because <laughs> I, get, I, I, I get angry at uh, the crazy things that are going on. If you and I feel that way 
about unrighteous things that are happening. Imagine God's point of view. You may be tempted to believe that God is standing back just watching. You have to pardon me for a moment. I feel prompted in my spirit right here at this point. You and I may feel as we watch those things that God is just standing back and he's ignoring all the wrong that is going on. Coupled with that, I, what I feel challenged to, to, to share with you this morning is this. There may be sin hidden in your life. Hidden, and what I mean by hidden, hidden away from other people's eyesight. And you are thinking somehow God is okay with it because he's not responding. Just because God is not responding does not mean God ignores sin. Others may not see it. Your family may not see it. Your spouse may not see it. There is absolutely nothing that occurs in this world that is beyond the scope of God's eyesight. God sees it all. When we are tempted to believe that God is simply ignoring the things that are going on in the world today, we have to remember the Bible tells us it tells us that God's wrath is actually, what's happening is God's wrath is actually being stored up. Romans chapter 2 and verse 5 tells us that his wrath is being stored up for a great and terrible day of the Lord. Revelation 19 and verse 15 says that he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of Almighty God. We have, uh, I fear that often we have lost sight that he's a God of wrath. We are uh, quick to, to point out the fact that he is a God of love. And I have to tell you, there is no way to, un, uh, to overestimate God's love. God is love. Uh, but that is not the only element. He's also a God of justice and truth. Uh, the Bible says Jesus full of grace and truth. You can't have grace without the truth. Thank God that in the truth we have grace. But the Bible tells us that what's happening really right now is God's wrath. Every time those things are happening, every time all those things are continuing, God's wrath is continuing to build and to build and to build. Hell's purpose is fulfilled as a place of God's wrath. I'm not sure it is possible to even begin to accurately comprehend all of the facets that will make hell what it is. 
We often think that simply hell is fire and it's torment and we'll get through to some of those things in a few minutes. But friends, it is going to be a place where God's wrath, it will not be a place where the love of God is present. It won't be a place where his love is permanent. It is a place of God's wrath. There might be those who would argue and say that's not fair. There are some people who don't know. There are some people who don't deserve to go to hell. Let, 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 me, let me share this with you. Every person who's ever been born is born on their way to hell. We, we, have, we have missed part of the gospel and what we have said is people are going to hell because they do these things. You will not go to hell because of what you do. You will go to hell because you are a sinner. I go to hell because I'm a sinner. I do the things I do because of the sin that's in my life. Every person who's ever born, the Bible teaches us we are born sinners. And because of that truth, we are all headed 100% of us. It's not like there was this, the, this wonderful person. You know, every one of us knows somebody who's really a good person. There, there are some people just, you know, when, when, we, when we had Mary's funeral service, everybody just kept talking about how nice Mary was. And, and, and I read all of these things that have been written about Mary, and they, they continued to call Mary Sweet Mary. If you knew her, that's exactly the way she was. I saw her uh, just a few weeks ago in the hospital, and you, everybody who were in the hospital loved Mary. I mean, she was just, they were bringing, it was so funny, the nurses, they would come and bring nursing students in. They say, you got to meet Mary. While I was there, they kept just bringing all these young people. you got to meet Mary. Mary's the greatest person. We just love Mary so much. She's so, and Mary was all those things. But Mary would have been the first one to tell you Mary was born a sinner. And we often correlate people in regard to hell with what they're doing. So therefore we say, well, they don't do bad things, so they don't deserve to go to hell. It's not the good or the bad you do. It's who you are. It's who I am. That's why it's so important. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's what? He's a new creation. The new creation, that's the only way I get to heaven. Not by doing good things, not by doing wonderful works. I get to heaven because I'm a new creation. And unless the new creation takes place, we're all destined to eternity in a place called hell. So when we are tempted to say that's not fair, we are tempted to say there are people that don't know. My friend, I would tell you today, there is one person who knows who all knows and has had the chance to hear the gospel, and that's God and God himself. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, this is a very important passage of Scripture for us, Romans 1, verses 18 and 20, it says this, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who 
suppress the truth. Boy, isn't that, that's a phrase right now we can all relate to in our world, isn't it? We suppress the truth by their wickedness. Notice this. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. The Bible says that we are without excuse because God has been seen in creation. Men are without excuse because each of us has a voice of conscience. You don't have to tell a child their behavior is wrong. Mom says, don't eat the cookies. Mom walks into the kitchen and the child immediately puts his hands behind his back. Mom says, have you been eating the cookies? And the child mumbles through a mouthful of cookies with crumbs on his face, no. It is our human nature. Nobody has to tell a child what's wrong. We know that when Adam sinned in the beginning, the Bible says he hid himself from God. God has made himself and he has made his ways known. The problem is that mankind doesn't want to know God's ways. Romans 1 and verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of the people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. You know, often we can do something and doing so we get our mind off of it. I can feel better about it if I get my mind off of it. It has been a well-known truth that mankind does not want to know the truth. We don't want to believe the truth. So we suppress the truth and try to cover it up by what we're doing. We will come up with all kinds of reasons why we don't want to listen to the truth. There's not one person in this room today that could ever say, I didn't know. Even before, maybe today's your first day here, maybe you've never been here. Before we ever even start in this message, the Bible says you and I were without excuse before we ever even got here. Because God has made his ways clear to all of us. So we find that hell is a place. We find it's a place of eternal conscious torment. And hell is a place of God's wrath. There are some terms that are used in describing hell. Four terms that are mainly used throughout the passages of Scripture to describe it. Number one is the word Hades. That is in our passage we read. Look there with me. Luke 16 and verse 23 says, In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up 
and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. Matthew 11 and 23, and you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Revelation 20 and 13, the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Nine times throughout the New Testament, the term Hades is used. Hades is the temporary place of the unrighteous dead until the final judgment takes place. You can look over towards the end of Revelation, you'll find there's an event called the Great White Throne Judgment. Every man who's ever been born, every woman who's ever been born, every person will stand before God on a day of judgment. Hades is a temporary place where the unrighteous dead are until that final judgment takes place. It is, if you will, a holding place where men and women will stay until the day of judgment. Now, the Bible describes that place for us. There are many today who believe, well, they believe in soul sleeping. They believe when somebody dies, they simply, their soul just goes to sleep, and they're there until they're woke up for the day of judgment. That, but that's not, we don't find that throughout the Scriptures. We find it, the exact opposite, actually, in the Scriptures. We find, especially in this passage we're reading today, we find that it is a real place. We find that it is a place, unfortunately, it is a place of anguish and torment. A place of fire is a place of flames. But it is not. It is not the final place of the unrighteous dead that we will see coming later in Revelation 20. It is not. We've often been referred to, heard referred to as the lake of fire. Hades is not the lake of fire. There will come a time when those who have not repented of their sin, they'll be raised to stand before God. They will give an account of themselves. And the Bible says then each one will be cast into a place we've known as hell. The word hell. The word hell in the original language is Gehenna. To get a better picture of what Gehenna was, Gehenna was a refuse, uh, the city dump, if you will, outside the city of Jerusalem. When he would speak of Gehenna, when he would speak of hell, they clearly knew, they had a visual picture of what he meant because they all knew where the, the garbage dump was outside the city and, and it wasn't just a garbage dump. But it was a place that they continued to pour the trash and the garbage out. But it was a place that was uh, burning so that they could burn up all of these things. And so Gehenna, it was a place outside the city that was in a constant state of burning. Things were constantly, a fire was constantly going in this place. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 22 says, Anyone who says you fool will be in the danger of the fire of hell, Gehenna. Matthew 5, 29 and 30, If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to 
to go into hell. Matthew 10 and verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Fourteen times in the New Testament this term is used. Luke chapter 12 and verse 5, But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Hell is a place of eternal torment. Hell is a place of eternal fire for those who are unrepentant. The, the term hell is often used in man's speech. We often hear people use the phrase, I've been going through hell on earth. Nothing could be farther from the truth. I do not underestimate the fact that maybe an individual who makes that statement has gone through excruciating things. But there is no one on earth alive today who's experienced anything on this earth that could ever begin to compare to the reality of hell. Hell is far more than the human mind can imagine. The Bible describes it this way. It's the second death. We all understand that death comes to us all and I would tell you today, friend, as we've been walking through this series of life, death, and the afterlife, if you've not come to the conclusion and if you've not come to the reality that death is a part of your life, friend, you've got to come to that conclusion. We're all going to die. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of like this living thing. It's pretty fun. I kind of enjoy living. It's, it's enjoyable. But there's coming a time when should the Lord tarry his coming and should the Lord Jesus not return for the church in my lifetime, there's going to come a time, frankly, I'm going to breathe my last breath on this side. I enjoy living. I hope my wife enjoys me living. We kind of like this life thing together. But there's going to come a time, no matter how much we like it, we can't, you can't stop. It's appointed under every man, the Bible says, once to die. After that, the judgment. We have to come to the understanding. We have to accept the truth that each one of us someday are going to die. Someplace, sometime, some reason, we're going to die. When the Bible is describing the second death, it's speaking of a spiritual death. Revelation 20 and verse 14 says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and the lake of fire is the second death. It is the final place. The lake of fire is another term that is used. Revelation 20 and 14, we just read it. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. You and I understand the concept of a lake. We understand what lakes of water are. This will be a lake. It is described this way. It will be a lake from shore to shore, from top to bottom, that is fire. Revelation 21 and 8, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Revelation 20 and verse 10. And the devil, the devil who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. 
where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever. C.S. Lewis once said this, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, without sudden turnings and with no signpost. The truth is none of us want to talk about hell. None of us want to seriously consider it as an eternal destination for us. We have to talk about the realities of hell. Listen, friends. If we understand the fact that we're all going to die, we have to understand this fact. This, this physical body, this tent, if you will, that you see, you see it every Sunday when I stand up here and share the word. This part of me will cease to exist. Life will leave. The blood will stop coursing the, uh, the neuro sensory part of who I am, everything will stop at one time. But that doesn't mean I cease to exist. See, this is just a tent. The real me will continue on. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I'd rather be absent from this body and be present with the Lord. What he's saying is, is this part is not all there is to it. I have an existence that goes beyond this shell, this tent that you see. The Bible, the final authority, God, the author of all life, the God of everything who created everything, God himself says there are only two places of a destination when this body stops for the last time, and that is heaven and that is hell. Today, I want to really ask you to consider your eternal destination because you have one. Do you remember a few weeks back in this series, I talked about choice? And often we say, I'm not going to make a choice. I, I don't like either, you know, we're <laughs> right now in, in our society right now, man, politics are in full swing and they're going to get in bigger swing. I've heard many people often say, I don't like, you know, when, when we come down and each, each side, of the, all the sides make their nomination and we come to that point when it's time to vote and, and we've probably all been there for we go, we don't like either one of them. We want, we want another choice here. Let's, let's uh, toss it up again. And so I hear many people often say, I don't like either choice, so I'm not going to vote. We also do the same thing in our lives, especially when it comes to eternity. We have to understand that not making a choice is actually making a choice. Not voting, I'm not going there, but not voting is still voting. In your life and in my life, when I say I don't believe something, therefore I'm not going to interact with it, I've still made a choice. Because you see, 
this issue does not come down to what I can reason and what I can figure out with my own mind. It's not about what I think. Because the God of all creation has set things in order. And he has set things in motion. So I come to the place I have to make a decision based on the truth about God. The truth about what he says in the Bible. Truth about what he says for eternity. And so this morning I would like to ask you to consider your eternal destination. I'll be honest with you, I've got more notes. We're not going to go there today. If you want them, they're on you version. You can go get them. I have known people throughout my life who have sat in church every day, every, every Sunday. I remember one gentleman in, in particular. I'll be honest with you, I grew up knowing this man was in church Later in life, as I became an adult, one Sunday, he gave his heart to Christ. And I'm like, what? I thought he was saved. I'm like, I can't believe this. I've seen him in church my whole life. I thought he was on his way to heaven. One day, he yielded his heart and life to Jesus Christ. Made the necessary preparations for heaven. My point is this. Friend, just because you come to this church does not mean you're ready for heaven. I told you a few minutes ago, every one of us, every one of us was born a sinner. Every one of us was born on our way to an eternity in a place called hell. There is only one person that has the power to short circuit that and his name is Jesus he's the only one you and I can go through he's the only way if he's the only way to heaven then my friend he's the only way to be out of hell he's the only way there is no other plan b there are no good actions there are no good works there's nothing else you can do so I'd like to ask you for a moment this morning will you consider prayerfully, your eternal destination. Will you cut through all of the other stuff? Will you cut through all of the, I've been here at Lighthouse for X amount of years. Will you cut through all of the, I've held positions in the church. Will you cut through, I've always been a good person, a good husband, a good wife, a good neighbor, a good employee, will you cut through all of those things? And just just for the next moment or two, friends, while we're here, will you consider honestly? And, and what I mean by that, we often, we, we do everything we can to cover it up and to make it palatable. I, I'd just like to ask you for the next few minutes, will you consider eternity? And most importantly, will you consider your eternal destination? Friend, are you ready for heaven? Are you ready for heaven? We're all going to take a trip one day. 
You need to be prepared for that journey. And so right now, would you just uh, cross the room? Just, uh, would you mind bowing your heads just for a moment? I'm asking you to do that because uh, I'd like for your attention just to be focused uh, solely right now, just on this moment. And I'd like for you to prayerfully consider these things. This morning, if, um, I'd like for you to consider, are you really do you know beyond the Shabbat? Do you know that you know that you're ready for heaven? There's only one way, friend, that you can know, and that's through Jesus. There's one thing that separates us and God, and that is sin. I do believe that there is grace. Um, I believe grace is such a marvelous truth. And I'm thankful for His grace. There comes a time also when, when I'm willfully walking in a lifestyle and a, a way of sin and I have shunned uh, the truth and I've shunned the Holy Spirit as He spoke to my heart. Maybe, maybe you're in that place today. There's only one way to know that I'm ready, and that's to say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I ask you, Lord, to make me a new creation in you. Lord, I need a change. Friends, that's really what it is. If, if you wonder why you just can't shake free of stuff, we need a change. I need a change. I need a change in my heart. I need a change in my life. I think that's the word that he's speaking right now. Do you need a change? Have you been trying? Have you been trying to do better, but it just seems like the harder you try to do better, the worse you do? We need a change. We need a change. Wonder in this room this morning. You'd say, Pastor, I'm not convinced today that I'm ready for heaven. I'm concerned that there are some things in my life that are not right with God. And you say, I don't want to leave this place today without being right with Him. I want to know for sure today before I leave this place that I'm ready for heaven. If that's you, no one's looking around right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. Would you just lift up your hand right around this morning? Yes. 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 You can put your hand down for enough. You've raised it. How many others say, you know what, Pastor, I just, there's some change that needs to take place in my life, and I need his help today. It's time for change. Time for change. How many others, you lift the hand and join these that have already lifted their hand. Please remember me in prayer this morning, Pastor. Yes. 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 How many of us, friends? We're in, I'm, we're in no hurry. Just this morning, right here where you're at. Please remember me in prayer. There's change needs to take place. 
You would join these who have already lifted hand. Okay. Would you look this way one more time? I'm going to lead in prayer here in just a moment. But there's one truth about heaven and hell that is very clear in the Word of God, and it's this, only you can choose. I can't choose for you. I cannot stand in a proxy and vote on your behalf. Only you, my friend, can make the choice. Only you. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to lead us in a prayer. And I don't want this to be just routine for our hearts today. I'd just like to encourage you to pray this prayer from your heart. There's never a time you pray a prayer from your heart that the Father doesn't hear you. Never including today including today he's listening for you he's listening for the prayer from your heart whether you lifted a hand or not he's listening for the prayer from your heart so let's pray together here's all I'll do I'm going to lead us why don't you just follow along okay let's all together pray this prayer dear Lord Jesus I understand today that I am born a sinner and I need a Savior. You are the way to heaven. You are the way from an eternity in hell. So Lord Jesus, I ask you today forgive all my sin I ask you today to make my heart clean I ask you today to make me a new creation so that I could spend eternity with you in heaven someday I trust you. I trust your ability to make me ready for heaven. So today, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I confess my sins are forgiven. I confess I'm on my way to heaven. And I'm trusting you, Jesus, in your name, amen. I confess today, Jesus, the Lord of my life. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Would you stand with me this morning? As I mentioned to you, you're welcome to pick up the rest of the notes on version. Friends, heaven is a reality and so is hell. Life is sure 
and so is death. We must live ready for eternity. May the Lord our God bless you today as you strive to live for Him. May His grace be so triumphant in your life. May His forgiveness just continue to roll and roll and roll over you. May His incredible love that He has for you keep you right in the palm of His hand. May He cause His face, His face of love and compassion and grace and mercy to shine upon your life every day you live. May He give you the strength to live ready for heaven. May He give you the strength to shun the very forces of hell. May His strength be great in your life to enable you to be ready for an eternity when your time comes. So may the Lord, our God and Savior, may He bless you and bless you and bless you as a new creation. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. So be it in the name of the Lord. God bless you all today. May His grace and strength be yours in abundance. God bless you. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears have come. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child. Chosen me.